0: Hi, this is Drew Wilson and this is Netpozzi, a podcast about activism and technology. I'm here in Jamaica Plain with Evan Greer, and we're talking today about activism and tech. Do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, Evan?
1: Sure. Um, so my name is Evan Greer. I'm the campaign director at Fight for the Future, uh, which is a digital rights nonprofit that works to preserve the internet as a free and open platform for freedom of expression and social change. Uh, which is sort of a long-winded fancy way of saying we try to stop governments and corporations from screwing up the internet Um, but I also um, am a traveling musician um, and that's actually kind of how I came into all of this um, was through traveling around um, playing music about politics and uh, about what I was seeing in the world and doing workshops and trainings for other activists um, and then kind of coming into wanting to um, do some full-time organizing work it made a lot of sense For me to focus on the internet because it was really hard to pick a single issue that i could dedicate all of my time to but it was really clear to me through traveling around and learning about all the awesome grassroots activism that was happening around the country and the world and how much of it depended on the internet as a platform to get that whatever their message was out um, or to organize events or to make things happen Um, and so for me as someone that cares about a bunch of different things um, it was, you know, a, a clear choice to, to jump in on trying to defend this thing that was so clearly um, at the center of so many people's struggles, uh, whatever they were working on.
0: Tell me more about that. What was being a touring musician like? Do you still tour?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I still tour a few months or a few weeks at a time um, over the course of a year um, in the midst of, uh, you know, campaigning and, and being really deeply involved in the internet freedom movement. Um, but for years, you know, I mean, I dropped out of Swarthmore College, and uh, I played, you know, two hundred, two hundred fifty shows a year for um, almost ten years. Really, um, I have a five-year-old um, who uh, has been to like fourteen countries and thirty-five or thirty-six of the U.S. states, uh, being dragged around on these tours, uh, which is formative experience for for any kid. Um, and you know. I, for me, yeah, it, I guess, you know, the connection for, for me with all of it was, like, um, especially when, like, the SOPA strike happened and things like that, I remember as a musician getting being bombarded with, like, these narratives about, like, how the internet is killing music and the internet is, like, bad for independent musicians and, like, bad for culture. Um, and I was, like, experiencing, like, the total opposite of that. Like, all of my, you know, m- like, Monica most success that I was able to have as a touring musician came from, like, I would show up in some random town in, like, Prague, or, or, like, a random town in Prague, random town in the Czech Republic or something like that, and, uh, you know, have there be dozens of people there that knew all the words to all of my songs um, because they'd, like, downloaded it on archive.org or something like that, Um, and seeing, like, the power of this platform, you know, to give a voice to, like, marginalized um, and, you know, just sort of, like, the underdogs in, in, like, all of these different... Um, fights and struggles and in music and in culture, um, you know, just was like, you know, it it was amazing to me to see the, the juxtaposition of that with like these narratives that I was getting from, um, like Performer Magazine and like things that were kind of like geared toward musicians and like people like me that were like really trying to like make it, um, or like make a living doing it.
0: So tell me more about that. So you were touring and... People knew the word your song." What is SOPA? What was the SOPA strike, and how does that relate to your music? Tell me more about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't particularly relate to my music. It's more like something I remember happening um, in the midst of like touring and playing music. Sort of like the first time I was like, "Oh, there's like this, you know, like there are like internet activists, or like there's like this fight over what the internet is going to be like." Um, but it, I guess you know, for me, it um, later as I came to like start doing this work, um, the work that I do now. Um, you know my my history as a musician plays into that a lot because it it fuels like why i care about about the internet and also like makes me angry at the people that try to attack and undermine our internet freedom like in my name or like you know claiming that they're doing it to defend musicians or defend culture or benefit like the working rights of of working musicians because i've you know it's something that's really important to me i you know i struggled a lot to support my family as a musician um you know in some ways i did you know i did Better than many people um, who try really hard, um, but in the end, it like wasn't enough to like totally support my family, and that's part of why I moved toward doing campaigning. Um, and I think you know there needs to be real conversations that musicians have, um, and and all creators of culture have about you know how to um, you, you know how to adapt to the internet and how to figure out um, you know what the new ways are that people are going to be able to create culture. Um, in this world and support themselves doing it. And I think the internet is totally the best thing that ever happened to any of that. Um, we just have to like figure out how to how to do it right. And, and I think that's
0: happening and it's exciting. Fight for the Future has made a name for itself very quickly um, through internet campaigning. Tell me a little bit about some of your recent campaigns or projects you've been proud of.
1: Sure, yeah, I mean, I think what's exciting to us is the internet gives us an ability to respond to things super quickly. And so, you know, a lot of what we do is seeing what's happening and where there's a conversation that tons of people are having and how we can figure out how to join the conversation um, and uh, engage people in a discussion about what they can actually do about the problems that they see and then give them tools that make it super fast and easy for them to do it. Um, so obviously you know, our big victory in campaign over the last year was around net neutrality. Um, which is the basic principle that all internet traffic should be treated equally. That big internet companies shouldn't be allowed to discriminate uh, or slow down or block different content. Um, that everything should be. You should be able to access everything you want on the internet uh, that's legal and, and open without um, you know companies or the government getting in the way. Um, and, you know, that was a victory that kind of no one thought was really possible. Um, you know, even even allies, you know, that were close in Washington, D.C. were saying like, yeah, you know, it'd be great if we could get that, but, you know, they're, they're too strong. There's no way we can get it. Let's try for a compromise, things like that. But what we saw is that, you know, so many people cared so deeply about um, the Internet and felt that it was such an important part of their lives um, that we were able to um, fight for more than just a policy change but a culture change and i think that's what you know was really exciting about the net neutrality victory was that um and you know and there have been kind of several attacks on it since we sort of won the actual policy that is protecting us now Um, but i think what we've seen is that um, we shifted culture enough and we shifted public opinion enough um, that companies are pretty nervous to you know to kind of um Un- unleash that type of wrath again. They're, they're dancing around the issue or, or trying to find sneaky ways to get around it, but um, you know, the, it's no longer cool for them to um, be seen as attacking net neutrality and they know it. And so that's a pretty major um, victory because you know, policy victories in some ways are short-lived or you know, they, they last as long as sometimes the current administration or the you know, current state of affairs um, in Washington, D.C. or elsewhere. Um, But culture shift victories, you know, kind of become baked into society, you know, we can see, like, the major changes um, in, like, attitudes um, around, like, LGBT issues or things like that over, like, the past decades with, like, so much further to go, Um, but, like, the culture work that goes into that is going to have a much greater impact than, for example, in my opinion, for example, like, you know, actually winning gay marriage, Yeah, and so I think the same is true um, when we talk about internet policy or anything else. Um, You know, the victories that we're really winning are are how we're affecting the narrative. Um, And so, you know, over the course of the net neutrality fight, we've grown a huge um, list of supporters, um, more than 1.4 million people who are taking action on campaigns. And, you know, it's exciting to see um, people coming to us and saying, you know, we've learned about this thing, it's really bad, you need to do something about it, and then being able to jump in and and quickly respond. Another example that's been really important to me over the last year is I've been talking regularly to Chelsea Manning, um, who's the WikiLeaks whistleblower that's serving a 35-year sentence for exposing some of the U.S. government's worst to pieces in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, And when we learned that she was facing potentially indefinite solitary confinement, for some extremely minor prison infractions, um, like having a copy of the Vanity Fair issue with Caitlyn Jenner on the cover, having a copy of Cosmopolitan that Chelsea herself was interviewed in, um, other basic reading materials, having a tube of expired toothpaste in her cell. Um, We managed to launch a petition with several other organizations. We got 100,000 signatures, um, uh, put a big banner in front of the Pentagon, um, and quickly, you know, they, the, you know, the military moved to give her, you know, very minor disciplinary, uh, you know, like no rec time for 30 days, things like that. Um, and she didn't get a single day of solitary confinement, um, which she, you know, totally credited to the effort of activists. Um, and, you know, I've supported a bunch of different political prisoners over the years. Um, and I think it was amazing to see, you know, I never had the capability before Um, you know the level that we're at with the internet now to like impact um, you know a prisoner at that level and and be able to support them that quickly um, and avoid like you know something that drastic Um, but the ability to get a hundred thousand people to speak out on something you know practically overnight um, is game-changing and so that's been really exciting to see
0: and how do you do that how do you get a hundred thousand people or a million people to take action on on something like that
1: so much of it is about framing. It's not about, not necessarily just about what we're talking about. It's about how we're talking about it. And that's really what, you know, I think we at Fight for the Future are trying to perfect. And we're so, you know, we're, we're still, you know, very much students um, of the internet. The internet is teaching us about this because you can see how things spread across the internet. And and if you just sit there and watch it sometimes, it's amazing to note. it's like, okay, um, every news agency is talking about the same breaking news story, but I keep seeing the same article popping up in my feed, that's because that article had the best headline. Um, and, you know, there's there's a huge degree to which, you know, we figure out um, how to talk to people about things in ways that they, A, want to hear about it, B, that are then engaged in it, and C, then want to, like, tell other people about it. Um, and, you know, so, so much of, of what I do at, becomes about testing messages and that can range from like talking to like my neighbor who's just sort of like a total average like frat bro and being like hey like you know if i told you this like what is what would you think and him being like that makes no sense to me or like yeah like that sounds wrong um, to like sending an email to 50,000 people written one way, and to 50,000 other people written a different way, and measuring which one actually did better. That doesn't just tell us how to raise more money or how to um, get more clicks or how to um, you know get more signatures or more phone calls. It tells us how to talk to people about things, um, and how to engage society in a conversation about how it can change or or where it could go. Um, and so that's what's exciting to me. You know with with the campaigns that we run, again, you know, it's like it's exciting to me when we can make policy victories, and we have a bunch under our belt, and you know, either stopping bad pieces of legislation, or in the case of net neutrality, actually getting um, progressive policies that protect people's rights passed. Um, but to me, the again, the, you know, the crux of it and the most important piece is about affecting the narrative um, and getting people to actually change the way they think about things, and particularly the way they think about the internet um, and feeling like it's something that they
0: want to fight
1: for and defend.
0: So whistleblowers, privacy, piracy, uh, political prisoners, LGBT issues, mm-hmm. internet issues, what ties all this together? For me,
1: I mean, the core of my politics, and I think, I think the core of a lot of sort of the, in some ways, the new generation of people who would identify as internet activists or, pe- or people who are kind of growing up as activists in the internet age is, a, like, a fundamental distrust of authority. Um, and, and to me, the sort of, like, counter to that is then, like, a vehement belief in freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And so, to me, you know, supporting political prisoners, it's not always about whether I agree with, like, their exact politics or, we, you know, we may have disagreements. It's about feeling that they had a right to challenge authority in the way that they did and should be respected. Um, supporting whistleblowers, I feel they had a right to expose abuse the way that they did and deserve dignity and deserve support. Um, fighting for the Internet, it's about um, protecting people's ability to uh, have that megaphone um, so that average voices um, can cut through um, and, and be meaningful and have impact. Um, you know, all of it ties down to, I think, kind of an eternal battle basically between um, authoritarian structures um, and popular freedom. Um, and I think free speech is like the wedge
0: that makes that um, battle winnable. So, who's the enemy? Who particularly do you see as the enemy of the free and open web? I think there's
1: there's a few there's a few big enemies. Um, there's incumbent industries that don't want to adapt to the reality of the internet. So, the record industry, uh, the ho- Hollywood and the movie industry. Um, and to, a certain, and to a large extent, the, the internet companies themselves, Comcast, Verizon, AT&T. Um, companies that have been around for a while, they have figured out a really good way of making a profit. They have near monopolies on their markets. Um, they've divided up the country into local monopolies that prevent them from competing with each other so they can all keep their prices high. Um, all of these companies have a huge vested interest um, in Kind of either keeping things as they are, preventing additional protections for internet users' rights, um, or kind of continuing pushing the internet um, toward uh, being a platform that's primarily designed to build profit for these companies, as opposed to to be what it is, which is this cool, awesome, wonderful, weird thing that we all love. Um, and then the other government, the other uh, major enemy is governments um, and you know political institutions um, that see the internet as. Um, threatening their monopoly on um, information and the ability to spread information through you know kind of uh, homogenous news networks or through um, you know means it's much easier to control a population when you can control what kind of information they can receive and the internet sort of has blown that up um, over the past several decades Um, and governments are constantly trying to figure out um, how to lock it down how to control it more how to respond to the reality that it undermines um, their ability to um, to conduct their business in secret um, or to, you know, otherwise um, prevent their citizens from understanding what's really going on. Um, And so, you know, and often these two, um, these two major enemies work in concert. Um, You know, I think, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting when you hear um, like libertarian critiques of net neutrality saying that like the government shouldn't be um, interfering with these corporations' ability to cut deals and, and make money is that it's sort of, ignores the reality that the line between Comcast and the Democratic Party can get pretty blurry sometimes. Um, and you know a lot of these companies um, have a revolving door with the regulatory agencies that are supposed to be um, regulating them. And that door goes both ways. So if you're concerned about the government, um, stopping corporations from making profit, you should also be concerned about the government going to corporations and saying, hey, we'd like you to slow down this particular content, we'd like you to block this or that, and understanding that the closer that relationship gets, the worse it is for internet users. And so I think, you know, um, the in some ways, the enemies look different, and, and you can sometimes see a divide, um, um, like a partisan divide around, like, who you pick as Um, like the person or the the entity you're going to blame, whether it's, you know, the government or corporations. But I think in in reality, um, it's fear and greed and um, authoritarianism um, and corporations and governments can exhibit all of those things and we need to be wary of it.
0: So how do we fight them?
1: I think we need to use all the tools in the toolbox. And I think we need to be really creative and we need to find ways to mobilize Massive massive numbers of people who are willing to do more than just click on a petition or um, Or make a phone call Um, and I think in the end it requires, you know making it politically costly to Mess with the internet and that's something that we've been pretty successfully doing um, over the years I think you know while there are attacks on our internet rights um, now the government always has to sort of like dress them up and um, try to make it seem like that's not what they're doing. Um, it's no longer cool to be seen as, you know, um, supporting anything that looks like internet censorship, anything that looks like, inter- you know, even you know expanded internet surveillance, um, particularly the companies are extremely concerned about appearing to be um, in any kind of cahoots with the government around that. Um, and so that's really the victory, you know, that I think we need to keep defending, um, is that we've shifted things to the point Um, that the internet is seen as like the thing to defend and the thing to support Um, and now we just have to make sure that we win the narrative um, over how to do that um, and don't allow um, you know the The internet's enemies to kind of um, use that narrative against us, which they're trying to do. But the reality that we've already kind of won that war because um, you know they like they can't come at us anymore, saying like, no, we don't want net neutrality. They have to say your net neutrality is not as good as our net neutrality, things like that. And they're you know they're already losing ground when they have to start the debate there. Um, And so I think that's you know a really important thing. But beyond that, I think you know we need more people using the internet as a platform. Um, and we need to um, support, I think, the development of more organizations' ability to to use it effectively. Um, and I think that's one thing, I mean, me, myself, personally, and Fight for the Future is excited about is, like, we've learned a lot of things as a young organization trying to do this. And we're not, you know, our goal would be to, like, share them. I mean, it would be so awesome if there was a Fight for the Future-like organization working on prison reform issues, or prison justice issues, rather, or... Um, working on, you know, like the drug war, things like that. Um, and I think we'd love to uh, support the ability of other groups to like use technology in some of the ways that we have. Um, and, you know, I think that's starting to happen and there's trainings and, and different things going on. But, um, and I think in some ways, you know, a lot of movements are, are doing it even better than, than we are. I mean, I think Black Lives Matter has been an amazing example of online, offline um, organizing um, coming together and the internet um, being essential Part of it, but also not the only piece of it, um, and I think you know we could t- stand to learn a lot from that um, as an internet freedom movement. Um, but overall, I think you know, yeah, we need more um, more people thinking really um, hard about how we use the internet um, effectively, um, and recognizing that like we can't just keep recreating the same things. You know, we get like dozens of emails a week from people who are like, when are you going to organize the next like blackout to stop the next bad internet thing? and the reality is you know we're not ne- probably never going to do that exact thing again um, you know we have to keep getting creative and the internet kind of gives us limitless possibilities um, but you know i think uh... we need more training we need more support for activists across the board um, to use technology and think about it um, in terms of how to achieve their goals, not just like how do I grow my Twitter account, how do I get more emails from my list, how do I get more donations? Um, it should be about how do I get more power? Um, how do I affect change? how do I achieve um, our organization's long-term goals, short-term goals, um, things like that. And I think that's those are the questions that I'm excited about talking more with people about and it seems like those conversations are starting to happen and, and that's gonna it's exciting to me to think about where things will go. Um, in, like, you know, the next 10 years, seeing where they've come in the past 10 years with the Internet's ability to
0: amplify activism. um, You know, who knows what will happen next. Well, looking forward, are there any particular projects, campaigns, or organizations over the next six months, next year, next 10 years that you're excited about, that you are looking forward to how they'll develop?
1: Yeah, well, I mean... Our next major campaign at Fight for the Future is um, around the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is a massive trade agreement uh, similar to NAFTA um, that contains a really wide-reaching range of policies, um, or you know kind of policy tweaks, um, and from our perspective, uh, or from our internet concerns with it revolve around the intellectual property chapter, which contains um, you know, basically exports uh, the U.S.'s worst copyright policies on the rest of the world without expanding protections for freedom of speech or freedom of expression, uh, without supporting internet users' rights. It basically supports the rights of giant companies and not the rights of inter- basic internet users and average people. Um, and so we're gearing up for a major campaign campaign um, that will be essentially a roadshow going to 12 strategic cities uh, where there are lawmakers that um, need to be pressured on this issue. Um, the TPP is not inevitable. Um, Obama is expected to sign it, um, it early next month, um, but Congress has to vote on it for it to actually go into effect. And there's actually a very real chance that we can stop it in Congress. It's deeply divisive, it faces resistance from both the left and the right. Um, and you know, there's a really good chance that we can stop this vote. So this is one of those opportunities that the internet gives us to kind of hack politics and you know, st- actually stop something even though the Chamber of Commerce and Walmart and like, every major company in the world wants it because it's sort of a wish list for, their, uh, for everything that they couldn't get passed in Congress or through any other uh, more transparent means. So we're going to be organizing this major roadshow with celebrity musicians and speakers and uh, activist trainers who will provide support for local activists that are working on TPP actions in their cities. Uh, And we'll go around to major cities and put on these big rally events um, and then use them to... ignite online action. It will be kind of like a, a telethon as well, where people will be calling in, and we'll be applying strategic pressure on lawmakers to make sure that we can stop this vote in the end. And that's something that people all over will be able to get involved in, because there will be online components, as well as being able to show up in the cities. Um, and we're also trying to open source the process as much as possible. Um, so there will be like tasks online for people to do, like go research like who is Steve Earle's booking agent, and like contact them. Um, things like that so that's an exciting um, ability again to use the internet to organize mass events that maybe traditionally would only have been possible um you know with the support of like major corporations or, or some kind of um, other like major institutional backing um and in, in this case we're actually going to be able to do it just with support from the internet um other you know major campaigns coming up that i'm paying attention to chelsea manning is going to have an appeal um, that's something that everyone should be looking at and paying attention to, um, and Fight for the Future will certainly be tracking. Um, and then, you know, I think um, the other big fight that's going to unfold over the next year is around encryption. Um, and we're already seeing, you know, a huge amount of um, kind of debate and politicking on this. Um, but basically, you know, governments forever have, ever since the existence of strong intri- encryption technology, Um, governments have been selectively saying that it's terrible whenever people that they don't like are using it and wonderful whenever people that they do like are using it Um, but we're now coming to um, a point where it seems like many governments are very interested in forcing tech companies to put back doors in encryption which is extremely dangerous um, not only for our privacy and human rights um, but also even just from a strict uh, security perspective even if you totally believe that the u.s government is always right all of the time and they are the good guys and they will only ever use this back door to catch horrible people who are trying to murder millions um, the reality is once you put a backdoor in technology anyone who finds it can use it um, and so whether you know if you believe that the NSA is only going to use it for good things um, then you have to be concerned about other governments corporations or just any you know random hacker anywhere in the world that decides you know to exploit that vulnerability once it's found um, and so that's going to be i think a huge fight over the next year, um, and we're approaching it um, from a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek perspective um, to begin with. Um, just saying, you know, that you can't ban math. Encryption is is simple math, um, and you know maybe it's that we need like math teachers everywhere to rise up and say you can't ban math. Um, but you know, there's going to be you know a culture war I think over the next year around privacy and civil liberties. I mean, it's going to heavily focus on this question of um, protecting. Uh, strong Mm. encryption technology, the basic technology that protects the security of airports and hospitals and our phones and everything else that we use on a daily basis. Um, If we allow governments to punch a hole in it, um, that endangers millions of people. um, And that's, you know, really one of the biggest fights of of our generation, I think.
0: So the TPP Roadshow is coming up. Um, Chelsea Manning will have an appeal coming up. Encryption is going to be a big fighter over the next year. Um, any resources or shout outs to share with people who are listening to this who want to follow up want to get involved how they can find more about this on online yeah sure
1: thing so um, the to learn more about the TPP you can head to fightthetpp.org, which is uh, a growing coalition site that brings together uh, labor and technology companies and environmental groups um, to kind of show the wide range of opposition to this agreement um, to learn more about Chelsea Manning and support her, um, head to chelseamanning.org. That's the Chelsea Manning Support Network. Um, they've been doing great work supporting her inside. Um, is, uh, you know especially important right now basically is funds to support her appeal. Um, so that's a big way to help her out. She also can get letters, things like that. That's a great way to support anyone who's locked behind bars. Um, and around this encryption stuff, you know, uh, I really recommend, you know, the EFF is an awesome resource. The Free Software Foundation is an awesome resource. Bruce Schneier is writing a ton of great stuff. Um, you know, there's a ton of people out there, um, talking about this. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, over the coming... Months and weeks, um, Fight for the Future and other groups will be launching major campaigns um, focused on legislation in the United Kingdom, um, focused on things here. Um, so I definitely encourage everyone to stay in touch with Fight for the Future. We're at fightforthefuture.org. Uh, we're on Twitter and all the other places, um, and you know we'll definitely be keeping people informed and um, and giving people opportunities to take action. You know, one of the things we always try and do is figure out what the most impactful. You know, if we if we had a hundred thousand people and we could get them to do something what would the most important thing that we could get them to do be? And then how can we make that thing easy to, as easy to do as signing a petition? So sometimes we make it so that you can send a fax with just one click, or you can make a phone call, or you can chip in so that we'll fly a blimp over a politician's town hall meeting. Um, but, you know, the goal is to figure out what can we actually do to affect change here, um, and
0: we'll try and give people an opportunity to do that. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk today, Evan. Sure. Thanks for having me. to our mailing list on netpalsi.com and you can subscribe using itunes